1: The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management.
2: I love my dog as much as I love you. But you may think my dog will always come through.
3: Hello, welcome to the Urban Zoo at our new time. This is our second week at 11 a.m. on Tuesday. It just feels good, as I said last week, to be here. Now, the Urban Zoo is brought to you each and every week by VCA Canada, caring for life's greatest companions. My name is Bill McBain, co-host with Dr. Tiffany Rennick, Medical Director of VCA Credit Valley Animal Hospital in Streetsville, Mississauga thanks for joining us. I hope you have been staying cool, getting your vaccine, staying safe and connected to your family and loved ones, human and otherwise. Stay strong and stay the course. There is light at the end of the long COVID tunnel. People are getting vaccinated and maybe we'll have some summer after all. Let's hope. On the show today, Jagmeet Singh, Leader of Canada's NDP on the Environmental and Economic Impacts of Highway 413. Mr. Singh's short comment is a clip taken from a much larger interview I did for Peel Matters. That should be airing in the next week or so. The urban zoo has kept a keen eye on the controversy surrounding the construction of the proposed and unneeded, in my view, and potentially very costly in terms of public money and Environmental and Agricultural Damage, Highway 413. In our second segment, Police Dogs, and Tiffany Rennick's fascinating interview with Peel Regional Police Sergeant in charge of the canine units, Sergeant Matt Bertram. In our last segment, our breed slash pet of the week, following up on Tiffany's interview with Sergeant Bertram, we are examining the Belgian Malinois. Now, I want to begin before launching into the rest of the urban zoo with a short clip from an interview, as I said earlier, on the Peel Matters Program, with this brief discussion between myself and NDP leader Jagmeet Singh on the construction of the proposed Highway 413. Please listen. I wanted to ask uh, about Highway 413. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've had on my show, on, on the urban zoo, we've had an interview with... Environmental Defense Canada, about the the threat this imposes to uh, habitat, to farmland, to water courses. I think there's over 50, 60 water courses that this is going to impact. There doesn't seem to be a good transportation uh, uh, or uh, general economic argument in favor of this. It's going to be hugely expensive, do massive amounts of damage, and not really improve quality of the environment, the quality of transportation, or the quality of living for people in this region. Why are we facing this highway and what can we do about it?
0: Really important question. And you really outlined exactly why this is not a good project to go ahead with. It won't actually help reduce commute times. And in a, in a study that was done, it, it barely saved a minute, but it's going to devastate the greenland, the, 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 the conservation areas, uh, farmland, environmental impacts on water uh, so there's going to be a whole whole sort of negative impact, and then there is no real benefit. So uh, we actually welcome the fact that Environment Canada is doing an environmental assessment. I think it's really important, mm-hmm. and and I'm hoping that that assessment finds what we have we have long known that this is a project that's going to have a net negative impact on people and on the environment, and it is not one that should be going ahead. There's lots of things that we need to do to improve connectivity. We know for a long time people have been asking for two-way all-day go. That would actually tremendously and and significantly improve people's quality of the commute. If we could have a two-way all-day go that goes from Peel into the downtown region, that would actually make a big difference. Yes, that's what we want to see. Uh, this this highway is not going to help, and in fact, it's going to have a it's going to hurt. It's going to have a, a negative impact.
3: Good, well said. Thank you for for being with us today. I'm most grateful. That was an excerpt of my conversation with Jagmeet Singh, leader of Canada's NDP, from a larger interview that will air on Peel Matters. It's a fine and important show that we have today, so let's get right to it. I'm your co-host Bill McBain with Dr. Tiffany Rennick, and we will be right back after these messages with Tiffany's discussion with Sergeant Bertram of Peel Regional Police and Police Dogs. You're listening to the Urban Zoo here on News Talk Saga, 960 AM. Your region, your voice. Back soon.
2: I love my dog as much as I love you. You make a fame. my dog will always come through.
1: No radio, no problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.
2: As i love for you but you may fade. my dog will always come through
1: ass- welcome back to the urban zoo here on saga 960 am oh, yeah. the urban zoo is brought to you by vca canada caring for life's greatest companions and i am one of your co-hosts dr tiffany renick and i'm here with my co-host bill McBain. and today is actually a very exciting show for me uh when i was Younger, so in the late 80s and early 90s, one of my absolute favorite shows was called Cats and Dog. And it was a police canine show. And so it was, a, it followed the life of this police officer and his dog. And I was obsessed with this show. I watched it all the time, the whole five seasons it was on. And today we have Sergeant Matt Bertram here with us from the Peel Regional Police. And he is the sergeant in charge of Peel's canine unit. And so we're going to talk today about what do these dogs do and how do they contribute to our police units?
4: Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you, Tiffany. I appreciate uh, you having me on today.
1: Well, it's great to have you here today. Like I said, this is a topic that gets me really excited. I, there was a point where I thought I might, after watching this show, want to be a canine police officer. And then I realized <laughs> I really just wanted to work with dogs. And so <laughs> hence becoming a veterinarian instead. But I'm really excited to be able to talk a little bit more and just and give our listeners an insight into what you guys do every day with these dogs and, and how it all works. So I'll give a little bit of background on, on uh, Matt. He, was, he joined the Re- Peel Regional Police in 2000 and has spent many years both in uniform units in Mississauga and Peel and the, as an investigator in the break and entry unit and then since then he has been working with the canine units. So Matt, can you tell us a little bit more about the role that dogs play in the police department, and what kind of
4: things are you using these dogs for? Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, canine is is an amazing, uh, amazing unit within Peel Police. I mean, there's certainly, or any police unit, there's certainly many different uh, units and bureaus within policing, whether it's homicide or robbery and investigative bureaus but canine is really interesting because we're we're relying on an animal uh and other than perhaps a mounted unit that some police forces have there's really no other position where you, you use an animal to to help you do your, your police work so with canine what we're tapping into is their sense of smell so their nose that's that's everything uh that they do for us um so it's kind of a harsh way to look at it but we look at them like a tool just like any other, like, say, a breathalyzer device or something like that. It's this tool that we use to help us do our job, um, which, of course, is to protect the public, catch bad guys, look for missing people. So our dogs, with their sense of smell, just can do things that humans obviously can't with uh, their ability, whether it's detection work and finding bombs and drugs, uh, or whether it's tracking down a suspect that's run away from a, from a crime. And also to go out and, and look for missing people, whether that's children or, or vulnerable uh, citizens. Um, they're just able to go out there and assist us and, and, and find uh, people quickly, and, uh, as well as important evidence that they can locate as well to help put cases together.
1: It's really fascinating the scope of, of what these dogs can do. I know I've in my work as a veterinarian, I've worked at some clinics that have treated police dogs in various towns that I've lived in, as well as you know my research for the show. And what is the training process like for these dogs so that we can get them to the point where they can
4: do this scent detection and, and work with the canine units? Sure. Uh, well, we tend to get our dogs uh, anywhere between one year and two years old. Um, we certainly want them past the puppy phase where they're biting on things and not really paying attention. So at that point, they're a little more focused. We, we make sure to get them. There's a number of breeders that uh, we have contact with, our suppliers, and they'll supply uh, police dogs across North America, uh, as well as for the military. Um, so most of them come now that that we have from uh, Holland or Germany or Czechoslovakia. So they've got a whole other team that lives in that country and raises dogs. They pick them, the best ones of the, and, and send them over uh, to the U.S. and Canada. The one what we just got recently, we're running a program right now, uh, running a, a, a new a new dogs being trained right now. And we picked him up from a breeder down in Pennsylvania. So when we went down there to pick this dog up there must've been at least 30, 30 to 40 dogs that were there. And they started uh, And our, uh, the way we choose them with our master trainer, he's very, very excellent uh, trainer that we have. Uh, We're lucky to have him uh, on our board with us at Peel police. Um, But we're looking for that drive where they're going to be able to keep on going, uh, not stop looking. Like one of our basic tests is we'll, we'll have a ball, throw it out into a field, dog will go out and find it, bring it back. We'll maybe do that once or twice, just to watch how fast and, and how he searches. And then maybe the fourth time, We'll pretend to throw it out there and we'll put the dog and he'll, the dog will go searching. And we basically want that dog to keep on looking until he just can't, uh, he, he will, he'll just fall down tired before he'll stop searching. And that shows that drive that we want. It's um, not just okay. going to say be on a track for, for, a, for a criminal and just say, okay, I'm kind of bored of this and stop. So we want one that's just got passion to find. So once we've selected our dog and we found a great one this year, uh, his name's Murphy, German Shepherd, uh, two years old. We bring them back and our trainer, uh, Mike Anderson, and we also have an assistant trainer. They'll now spend four months uh, training this dog with a new handler. Basically, right from the beginning, uh, we would start with some obedience, a tiny bit of obedience. And then after that, we're just going to teach them to, to be always looking for human scent. That's our, that's the number one thing. That's what they become. The term is a slave to odor, and this is being a slave to that human scent. That's what they're looking for all the time. So once they find the human scent and we start giving them you know, little short tracks, they'll, they'll follow maybe 10 10 yards And then there'll be a ball at the end or some food. And then they realize, oh, when I follow this human scent, I end up getting a reward at the end. And then we keep gradually building that and building that. And many of our dogs can track now for a kilometer, two kilometers if needed. Uh, Track could be an hour to two, three, four hours old. So it allows us to be able to, like I say, earlier track down some criminals, look for missing persons. Um, They'll do building searches. Uh, Say there's a large warehouse that someone's broken into in the middle of the night. To send a bunch of officers in there and to search every single office, every room uh, would take hours, whereas a dog, Mm -hmm. you put them in there and they're just going to follow the scent and they could narrow down exactly where, say, the criminal is still inside. If he's hiding somewhere, they'll be able to track them down uh, within minutes.
1: Okay. And how many police units does Peel have?
4: Uh, We have 13 uh, canine teams right now. All of them are trained in in general service, um, which is tracking, building searches, uh, searching for articles, uh, pieces of property and evidence. And once they, uh, about a year after their initial training, we'll evaluate how well that team's doing, and we can then decide uh, if they're ready to learn a secondary detection discipline. So basically, they learn to be able to find, and at that point, be drugs or explosives, uh, cadavers, so um, uh, dead bodies or body parts, and drugs, or sorry, uh, firearms and ammunition. So They'll learn that okay. as a secondary discipline, and then we can use them. Um, and you'll probably see that on TV a lot, where they'll search cars, search houses, and and look mm-hmm. for for evidence and and like I say, drugs uh, to, to be used against the that you know, because then we can make a case against whoever was right. was in possession of them okay and again that's it's that nose that works that we can't do ourselves so without the dogs we're you know we're not going to find a lot of like a suitcase with a bomb in it at the airport or something like that it's uh, true. without without getting opening it up and putting ourselves in danger the dog right. a quick scent and go oh there we go we got something here
1: now the dogs that are at the airport are they part of the police units or is that a separate unit
4: uh they're actually the GTAA has uh they they have their own uh, private uh dogs that that work there now because we we simply wouldn't be able to provide that type of service. Uh, I guess I think it comes down to, uh, to cost effectiveness. So they have a very right. great uh, team there um, and they have a number of dogs on staff, uh, but that's private uh, side of things. Okay. But so funny enough, shepherd. it's actually, yeah, but it's funny enough, a lot of their, their trainers actually are, uh, that train their dogs are, one was from Peel before a, a retired Peel handler and I believe another one was from York. So they're, they're getting great training. They're, they're excellent dogs there as well, but that's where they work. Right. Uh, we will support them if they, if they get something and they want some confirmation, we will send in our bomb unit to assist. And, uh, and sometimes if the dog seems like it'll work, we'll bring one of our dogs in just to, just to do some confirmation and, and make sure that uh, what they found is correct.
1: Okay. And how does it work in terms of where the dogs live? How do they spend their time when they're not on shift and working?
4: Yeah, it's uh well, that's what's fun about the unit. Um, when you're getting when you're getting hired or becoming a, a police canine handler, it's right up front. You're like, you're, this dog is with you 24/7. So this now becomes this is your partner. He's on your hip all the time. So they come home with the handlers. They we set them up with a, a beautiful kennel. It's an outdoor uh, heated, cooled kennel. It's got a big cage attached to it. Um, so they live outside because um, we need to make sure, especially with the German Shepherds and the Malinois that we have, their coat has to stay uh, with the environment. So they can't be living inside right. where they're not becoming acclimatized because we can spend hours outside in the middle of the winter and same thing uh, in the summer. So they've, they need to be acclimatized to what's going on outside. Although in Ontario, you recently, it's been cold one day, hot the next. So I guess they're, yeah. they're changing around, but we need their coats to come in thick. Uh, so they do live outside. You sometimes hear they're part of the family. They are in a sense, but we we don't allow them to actually interact with the family members because they are highly trained, very excitable dogs. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they are trained to bite and apprehend. So... We, it's on command, but accidents do happen, and we certainly want to avoid any type of those situations. But, uh. yeah.
1: Which that makes sense. I mean, yep. the ones that I have worked with at various clinics, it's they were definitely nice dogs, but they were dogs that you also still always had the handler with them when you were working with them to do things, and yeah, definitely. Uh, couldn't always trust that you were a hundred percent okay if you were <laughs> a stranger. Yes, the mu- the muzzle's a good tool,
4: that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And then in terms of the training that the officers get, where does that start?
4: Uh, Well, we don't expect them to know much about dogs when we hire one. And we tend to, uh, on average, we hire about one dog a year, replace one dog a year. So we're bringing someone, a new handler in. And they may have, we certainly get points. I'll be doing the hiring and I'll give them points for uh, having previous dog experience and and at least working. Like, I mean, myself, I worked canine security before I was a police officer so I had about five years with a rottweiler just patrolling buildings in Toronto and, and that, nothing really comparable but it was able to transfer that this dog also lived with me so I kind of understood the responsibilities so we'll look for that uh, for whenever we have a handler so um, the officer that is in training right now he uh, he and his wife have fostered dogs for years and they actually brought in strays they would make them uh, they calm them down get them acclimatized so they can then be adopted out to to families so once they show up, we then train them just as much as we train the dog. The two of them are a unit. Um, okay. So they really don't know what they're doing. And our, our training methods are, are are very different than what you would have for, say, a house pet. So certainly um, it's a learning curve for both. But at the same time, starting green, like both together, we call it green when you don't have any any experience. Starting both from scratch, it's very interesting to watch the, the evolution of the two and the bond that forms. And they get their own kind of they read off each other and once they're out on the road after four months and they start doing calls and, and protecting the people here in peel they become an expert in their own dog they can read that dog when the tail's up it means he's tracking well when the tail's down it means he's lost the scent you know when the, the high frequency sniffing the low of the mouth breathing all those mm-hmm. little things all mean something and every dog has its own tails they all look a little different they all do things differently but because the two of these the, the, the handler and the dog started together with this training um they're able to read each other they know exactly what each other are doing which is really nice and then once you say make your arrest and you go to court then you have to explain that to the to the judge and to the jury you know this is what my dog did that's how I knew he was in track this is why I knew this was the guy that committed the crime because we stayed on the track the whole way found him at the end hiding in the shed quite quite an interesting process it's fun to watch
1: yeah it does sound very fascinating i would love to see that kind of thing in action <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> um. And then how long do these dogs typically work on the canine unit? Uh, We find the, uh, around nine years old for the German Shepherds, uh, is when the health problems, I knew as a vet would know, it's when they kind of will start, unfortunately, age catches up with them, whether it's the hips, the the joints, they start slowing down. And I find that our Belgian Malinois and Dutch Shepherds that we have, we have about half and half uh, Shepherds and Malinois in our unit. They tend to last a little longer, so we can go about 11 years uh, with them, so... And then at that point, uh, they'd be retired. I think only once the handler didn't take them in retirement. So we, we, they buy the dog from, from the police service for a $1 because you can't just give it to them. Okay. And then they spend their time adjusting into uh, civilian life, which in my experience, when my dog had retired, uh, back in, I think it was 2017, he, uh, my, my wife was telling me I'd leave for work, and I, I went back to regular patrol at that time. And my wife was saying that for at least the first month, he would co- go to the door because at that point we let him in the house once I'd retired. And he'd go to the door and just sit there, thinking, "Okay, uh, I think Matt forgot about me, and just waiting for me to <laughs> uh-huh. <coughs> waiting for me to come back." And uh, you know, twelve hours later, I come back, and he's lying on the mat in front of the door. So just it took it took him a while to uh, to adjust the retired life. That's for sure.
1: And then, do many of these officers, if they have taken a retired dog, will they typically? start
4: as a handler of a new dog uh they can yeah they choose to sometimes we'll have a few that will stay because it's a long career it's six seven years that you'll be a canine handler for so in a 30-year career a a lot of people have aspirations to go get promoted like myself or maybe you want to go and get into a different unit so it's up to them if they want to continue uh but may many do get a second dog and as i mentioned earlier only a couple have not taken that retired dog but that's because the that dog that uh, they had that was being retired was Uh, dog aggressive so it was tough to have two in the house it can be a real handful for them so yes Um, yeah but yeah yeah a lot of them want to stick around it's that's i may be biased but it's definitely the best uh, job in policing that's for sure so uh, (laughs) once you're in there you don't want to leave
1: yeah well i mean i could see that i mean how could you not want to work with a dog all day and get to do some really
4: cool stuff as a police officer oh yeah you're on all the hot calls you get to go to everything fun and uh very little paperwork which is nice too (laughs) (laughs) yes the paperwork is always the fun side of things yeah can't give it to my partner that's for sure <laughs> they would just eat it I think yes, like it exactly. wouldn't it wouldn't really end up getting filed anywhere nope what's the point of this they'd be looking at you saying I'm sure
1: so in in 2020 how many calls would you say that you guys had and what kind of span of things that you guys worked on in the past year
4: Yeah, I mean, that's part of my job is when running the unit there, is is keeping all the stats and and looking at trends and always trying new ways to improve our unit and make things better. Um, And so we've been on a a continual upward progression for the last four years. Last year alone, we did uh, 2,777 calls for service. Uh, The year before, was 2,500. The year before, was 2,200. So we've more and more demand for our services. uh, And and that's the people on the road. That's the uniform officers. Investigators and bureaus—they're um, they're the ones calling for our assistance. So it's okay. great to see they're they're utilizing this us and using this. Us. But yeah, our workload is getting more and more every year. Don't have it in front of me, but arrests are generally—I think it was around two to three hundred uh, arrests a year range. So they're also you know very successful and and a lot of that is self-generated. So we'll be out looking, you know, just just patrolling around. We're not just on call; we're we're out there patrolling just like any other officer looking for crime. So a lot of the time you know, we'll see something suspicious, get out of the car. And then all of a sudden somebody just starts running and, you know, see them throw something on the ground. You look over, it's a bag of drugs. You're like, okay, let's off to the races let's get with that the dog and go track this guy down. And yeah. <clears throat> or even track like for, for one of our officers, he, he loves traffic. I, it's not really my thing, but he loves giving out traffic tickets. So he'll, uh, he'll be pulling people over and same thing. They'll, uh, they'll either fail to stop and they'll just take off and strange how many of these people, when they decide to get in a pursuit with police, just crash their cars randomly. And then they run. So again, I'm like, okay, you just ran from a canine police officer, probably not the best person to be running from. So usually they get caught, they get caught pretty quickly. But uh, there's no shortage of fun to be had in the region of Peel. That's for sure.
1: (laughs) I can imagine it can get pretty interesting some days. Yes, yes,
4: it does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, does your, does your unit kind
4: of expand as the demand has been increasing over the years? I believe our last expansion was 2010. Actually, when I got hired as a handler, we added three more dogs into the unit uh, to bring it up to 13. So three of us started that year. And at this point we're keeping up with the, with the call demands right now. I mean, we provide 24 hour service. We've uh, got three dogs on at all times uh, or scheduled to be on. I mean, sometimes you'll have training courses and things like that. So we're mm-hmm. sometimes it'll be in vacation and that. But uh, when we're up to full strength, we'll have three dogs on duty at all times. So that tends to provide us enough coverage. Maybe a few years down the road, we may look at adding a few more officers on. Right now, I don't have a dog as the administrator. I have a mouse. (laughs) I'm looking at uh, we're looking at getting a dog hopefully next year for me. And that will be a single purpose uh, explosive detection dog. Um, Okay. that's what looking at our unit. That's one of uh, one of our dogs that's retiring next year is our explosive detection dog. He's cross trained in that. So we're looking to fill that void. So I'm like, hey, I'd love to have a dog again. Uh, I don't have time to work and train a general service dog. Cause the amount mm-hmm. of training and calls is just—it's—it it takes your whole day. Whereas I've got other stuff to do on the side. Whereas an explosives dog would be perfect. I'm on call. I'm ready to go to any any type of situation uh, where, mm-hmm. that, where those services were, would be required. And, and I think for that one, we're looking at probably getting a, a, a black lab or or golden lab. I'm more okay. of a straight detection dog because I don't mm-hmm. need the shepherd, which Those types of dogs are used for policing just because they are strong, because there are situations where we need to use them for physical apprehensions or Mm -hmm. to protect the handler. Uh, Whereas something like detection work, they don't need that. So we can simply use an array of dogs that just have great noses.
1: Okay, that makes sense. And have you guys on your team, do you participate in any of the canine police units, like competitions and games that are available throughout the country?
4: Uh, We used to there's I can't remember what the names of them are but yeah there's different competitions where who who can iron dog competition I think was one where the the handler and the dog would it was almost like an an extreme sports competition where you're going through rivers and the physically demanding courses so we did that for a few years and then there's somewhere you know they can do a a course I guess searching for people I don't even I can't even keep up with what they do anymore but no we fell off to the side of that we're like you know what we're focused on doing our job for the region um protecting, serving what we do. We, we don't want to be doing other things off to the side that may affect the training because a lot of that is very structured. That the dog has to be right beside you all the time and it has to be in this place. And we're not about that. We're our, our philosophy with, with the Pok Nine is we really want the dogs to figure things out themselves. We want them to, to be independent thinkers. Uh, Cause we've just found this new training methods that we've been using for the past five, six years. It's creating such incredible dogs. They're just so smart and, and amazing at what they do we don't want to start introducing other things to, to complicate that in their minds because as smart as they are, you, you start giving them too many jobs and they start right. getting a little confused and you don't want to, you don't want to mix up their minds and what they're doing. So we like to stick the police work, looking for people, looking for drugs. <laughs> that's, that's our bread and butter. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt,
1: thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate you sharing your experience and just giving our listeners a little bit more of an idea of, what an essential part of our police force these canines are, and a little bit more insight into what they
4: do and how you guys spend your day. No, it's great. I uh, i love talking about dogs, Tiffany. So thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome.
3: My name is Bill McBain, co host with Dr. Tiffany Rennick. We'll be back after these messages with our breed slash pet of the week, the Belgian Malinois, here on News Talk Saga, 9:60 a.m. Your region, your voice. It's
2: so I love my dog as much as I love you. But you make a thing. My dog will always come through.
1: Stream us live at
4: saga960am.ca.
2: For
3: Welcome me back to the Urban Zoo. We're here for so our breed so slash pet yeah. of the week. Always a, a great love section. Always look forward to it. And thank so you, audience member, for I liking don't it, don't don't it so much. much. We are talking this week about the Belgian Malinois. It is not just a great sounding dessert. I don't believe it is, but it is a wonderful, strong, intelligent, and hearty dog. Tell us about this wonderful pup.
1: Well, we've been talking about canine police units today. That's why we decided we would focus on the Belgian Malinois. The other breeds that we see, the German Shepherd is a very common breed. So I thought we'd take the one that's a little less common and people may not be quite as aware. So the Belgian Malinois, as per its name, comes from Belgium. It is one of the four Belgian Shepherd varieties that exist in Belgium. It is a medium-sized dog, so these guys are a little bit smaller than your typical German Shepherd. They have a shorter coat, so it's not quite as thick, but it's a double coat similar to the Shepherd. So it has a downier, denser undercoat that helps be a little bit warmer and not quite waterproof, but water-resistant, so their coats can have them be more comfortable and resistant to damper cooler weather which is very common in belgium and this comes in also very handy when you work outside a lot with the police officers their coat is a fawn color to a mahogany color and they tend to have black tips on their hairs Mm -hmm. and they're originally bred as herding dogs so they have very strong herding tendencies across the lines um but they also have been used quite a bit for protective work in the military police work that kind of thing
3: they they look like a somewhat trimmer german shepherd they 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 have a very alsatian look to them and uh, they're beautiful but strong very alert looking dog i have no trouble imagining them in in police service
1: Yeah, they have a very intense personality. So they, they're very smart. They're very obedient. You can train them to do many different things and they're very, very active. One of the challenges with them is that they can be very protective and they can be very territorial. And Mm -hmm. so that there are some lines in Belgian Malinois where they can have a little bit more aggression and they are not always the best dog around children and so it is a breed that if you are thinking of you want to research the bloodlines well and make sure that you're getting a puppy who's coming from a a breeder that raises their dogs around children so that they get used to it some of it is this protective territorial behavior and the other part of it is herding behavior and so as soon as kids start running around and getting very loud which is extremely common with children these guys start trying to herd them and get them into little groups and, and they can get a little nippy at them when they they're very active and loud.
3: Well, my, my spouse uh, tells the story of the, their dog who was a border collie mix who, when they were kids and all the kids in the neighborhood get together, no nipping involved, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of child control and, and yes. controlling them and making sure that they were safe and in a, a defined area, uh, which actually was, was great. She tells me it was a very gentle, Uh, dog but you know very much knew what she was doing and had that herding instinct with kids I can see if it's a more aggressive dog it may be a little uh, Mm -hmm. challenging environment slightly taller at the at the forehead from what I can see than the German Shepherd but lighter in the body
1: it depends on the line there's quite a large amount of variation in German Mm. Shepherds in size body build that kind of thing so it, it really depends on the line that you're comparing them with when I put out the cautions about the breed. It's not to say that you couldn't have a Belgian Malinois successfully in your family, but they are definitely a dog that needs a very experienced owner who is experienced in socializing them well, training them well so that they are, they're definitely not a breed for the first time dog owner. So they are lovely and they can, like I have met numerous ones that have been wonderful dogs Um, But they are definitely not for someone who has never had a dog before. You want to know what you're doing in training when you get one of these guys.
3: I I think the point you're making, though, too, is that they're, they're, you know, all these things we talk about in the show about traits. They're not hard and fast rules. They're tendencies. They're tendencies. Each dog is an individual, like each human. And you have to take them as you find them. But as a general rule, this dog requires an experienced owner and handler to Mm -hmm to help them adapt to living uh, in a home and with a family.
1: And the big part of why we talk about all these things is so that people can educate themselves. And one of the Mm -hmm. biggest parts of having a good pet in your home is doing your research and knowing what type of animal is going to fit best with your lifestyle, with your family members, with all of the pieces so that you can get an animal that's going to fit into your family well and is going to have that rewarding experience of pet ownership rather than trying to take on something that you don't understand and you don't know how to handle. And then it ends up being a bad situation for everybody. And this is why we see pets being surrendered and given up or neglected and things like that.
3: Uh, so yeah. so it's
1: really education.
3: Always unacceptable to me. When you take on a dog, you've taken on essentially a child that's a responsibility you have. Deal with it. And if you deal with it and you can deal with it effectively, you just need the patience to do it. it. It breaks my heart to see dogs in shelters and in rescue that don't need to be there. You have to work with their abilities and you're, and you have to increase your abilities to do that. And that's fun, actually. That's part of the joy of, of raising a child and, uh, and and a dog is that you're, you're really learning about each other and learning your capacities and Coming friends along the way, so.
1: So as I said, the uh, Belgian Valenois is one of four Belgian Shepherd varieties that mm-hmm. are there, and these guys date back into the late 1800s. Around 1880 is when they the breed started to be developed. Over the years particularly with police work, the Belgian Malinois have gained popularity because they have the same kind of strength and agility that the German Shepherds have. And that as Matt was talking about earlier, you want these dogs that have this intense drive. They're not just going to be like, oh, I didn't find what I was looking for. So let's go play ball. You want this intense drive, which they have, but they have far less health issues than the German Shepherds.
3: Le- and so problems, they I imagine, yeah.
1: Orthopedic,
3: yeah. Uh,
1: there's many, many differences. Uh, German Shepherds, unfortunately, in the way that they've been bred over the years, have a lot of health issues that you have to deal with. And so, even in the discussion of how long they're in service, there's like a three to four year difference. These Malinois can stay in the service a lot longer because they tend to have a lot less health issues.
3: Is that right? Um, That's dramatic. Three yeah. to four years. Wow.
1: Yeah, they were saying some of the, sh- the shepherds are, are retired around eight and these melanois can live or be in service for a number of years longer than that. So, and, and it's really about their health issues. The German shepherds, they get old very fast, unfortunately. Oh
3: dear. That, that, that's yeah. still a, a remarkable difference. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, so in terms of health, like you said, these guys are, are generally overall very healthy They can have some issues with allergies. And so we see things like ear infections and skin issues can be present. They can have some eye problems and similar to numerous large breeds, orthopedic issues can involve elbow dysplasia and hip dysplasia.
2: Mm. Um,
1: So it's just a, a slightly abnormal formation of the hip joint or the elbow joint that creates an abnormal force on the joint as it's being used. And then they'll be more prone to developing arthritis younger in those joints that are affected. But a lot of breeders and especially good breeders, they're doing a lot of screening on their breeding stock and making sure that they're not breeding dogs that have these genetic traits because there are very strong genetic parts to passing it on. And the other thing that they have been known to have is epilepsy. So again, not, oh, not a I ton so. of big health issues. And yeah. certainly it's not like every one of them is going to have this. They, but these are are the types of health issues that this breed can sure. have as they get older.
3: So we're just looking out for it. Doesn't Your dog mm-hmm. may not have it. Yeah. But it's a, and it's lots a, of them don't. It, yeah, it's a possibility in the breed, sure. Mm-hmm. And that's just fore, uh, forewarned, is forearmed. You're prepared. You're looking out for the well-being of your dog. That simple, not to be nothing to be afraid of, okay.
1: Nothing to be afraid of. So, this is the Belgian Malinois, one of the breeds that um Sergeant At talked about in our interview with him about the canine police units Excellent. in Peel.
3: I can really see it in the images of the dogs that I've I, I'm not sure I'm sure I've met one now that I've seen it, and I just assumed it was some version or cross of a German Shepherd, but I'm g- guessing that these are more common than I was aware. And I just hadn't been aware of the distinction in the two breeds. So really good to hear this. Thank you, my friend, and thank you for that great interview with uh, the sergeant earlier. That was that was very well done. It was it was great to listen to. That's the urban zoo for this week. We will be back on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. each and every week. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at saga960am.ca/slash/podcasts. And on Facebook at The Urban Zoo with Bill McBain and Dr. Tiffany Rennick. And we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line at The Urban Zoo at saga960am.ca. That's The Urban Zoo at saga960am.ca. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, on behalf of myself, Bill McBain, Dr. Tiffany Rennick, and VCA Canada, stay safe, have a great week, and we will meet you next week on the urban zoo. So
2: I love my dog as much as I love you. You make a thing, my dog will always come through.
1: No radio?
3: No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.